The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. So Super Bowl 56 is in the books. What will be the enduring image from Super Bowl 56? Uh, I don't think it'll be on the field unless you, like me, uh, surrender the uh, last ounce of your innocence as a sports fan yesterday. Uh, I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, and I hate to burst your bubble, but these games... And I'm not just talking about the Super Bowl. I'm talking about any professional sporting event and any high-end college sporting event. Yes, including Ohio State football and basketball. Are purposely influenced by officiating. I don't think it's evil, purposeful, pre-planned. But I think that, I was thinking about this, human nature. What is human nature? Is human nature to be 100% down the middle, dispassionate, totally fair? Is that human nature? Of course not. Everybody, particularly now, picks a side, right? You pick a side. And so a lot of things play into that. Maybe you're fearful of if you're at a place where they have a loud, noisy, obnoxious crowd, your safety you think is imperiled. You're telling me the whistle that you blow, the flag that you drop is not influenced at all by personal safety thoughts? You think it's not influenced by animus directed towards someone who said something to you during a game? Maybe a player, maybe a fan, maybe a coach, maybe somebody in a marching band from the stands. Who knows? I just think that these games, not an official going into it saying, I'm going to make sure this team wins. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm saying in the moment, fear of making a call, I don't want the spotlight on me now, I'm going to let him go. I would call that early. Am I going to call this? Human error? Just missing it? Panicking? Panic? But there's no other way to explain a couple of the outcomes of games that I saw yesterday. One, the Super Bowl, and another, a college basketball game, where a player from Maryland was clearly fouled at the end of the game, but it's at Purdue, and uh, while it's uncomfortable, I'm going to swallow my whistle and not call that foul. So I just think you have to go into sports knowing that, like everything in life, the outcome is going to be unpredictable, but definitely influenced by human error, human fear, human panic, human anger. I don't believe anymore that these games are fairly judged, because the Bengals just got absolutely hosed yesterday. And you say, wait, wait a minute. Didn't they get a touchdown off a bad call? Yes, they did. I'm talking about games at the finish. When the outcome of a call, the outcome of a play decides a game. Guy misses a field goal in the first quarter. You can say at the end of the game, like the Rams yesterday. They missed a, they missed an extra point in the first quarter. And at the end of the game, the NBC announcers are going, well, you know, that, that extra point is huge right now. Yeah, it is huge right now. But you know what? You had a whole game to fix it. You had a whole game to compensate for it. You had a whole game to strategize for it. So the touchdown the Bengals got on, I think, the first play of the second half, was it a bad call by the officials? Uh, In this case, a bad no call? Yes, it was a bad no call. But did the Rams have time to react to that? Sure. And so I don't feel like the Rams got a bad deal because the Bengals got a gift touchdown off a call that the official missed. 
the call on the Bengal linebacker on pass interference on third and goal at the at the end of the game was such an invented, non-existent, horrendous call. The Rams, if that call is not made, are down to their final play, have to score a touchdown or game over. So that play didn't give the Bengals much time to react. They had a minute and change, but not much. So the games, and I've gotten myself worked up over the years over these games, and so I'm either going to have to stop watching because it aggravates me every single time a team, not always my team, sometimes the other team, gets hosed. But I also think, too, we've, I've always, and you probably have, too, going, isn't it amazing how these games almost always seem to mirror the point spread? Man, those guys in Vegas are really, really good. Yeah, well, I mean, they could be. They could be really, really good. But what's, what's at least possible? That the guys in Vegas are always right? That the game's going to be a four-point game or a five-point game or a nine-point game or a 12-point game? I mean, how do they get it right when they say a 28-point game? And it's a 28-point game. How does that happen? Is it that they're brilliant in figuring it out? Or is it that kind of an artificial tilting, looking, calling, blowing, not blowing whistles that steer the outcome toward a target out there that the guys who have the power know would be best for everyone? The house always wins. And lots of money changes hands. Do you know any endeavor in commerce that can have the amount of money bet on it that is bet on a Super Bowl that people, and not, here's a secret, not always good people, have a big time stake in and they wouldn't also want to make sure that their investment is protected? I submit that as food for thought. Now, the other enduring image of the Super Bowl is, of course, all the celebrities, everybody, unmasked at SoFi Stadium. Unmasked. Now, today in Los Angeles, the little kids are in school with their masks on. Thank goodness, because, I mean, think of the public health emergency that would result if children were like the 75,000 people at SoFi Stadium yesterday, unmasked, like LeBron James and Jennifer Lopez, Ben Affleck, Sean Penn, all of them unmasked. All of them. Did you see a single celebrity in a mask? I didn't. So what I wonder is, those pictures, in tandem with the hilariously uh, (laughs) hypocritical photo of Stacey Abrams unmasked while little kids sat behind her masked, I wonder if this is going to be the tipping point where... All of America goes, you know what? I'm not putting this nonsense thing on my face. No, not all of America, because there's probably what? 50%, 40% of people who are true believers, true believers, and truly gripped by fear, and just want to believe that they have some control over their own destiny by wearing a mask. Those people probably will still wear a mask, and they still will be up in your face for not wearing a mask. But that, to me, yesterday was a stark reminder of the disdain that the powerful have for the rest of us. You know, Jen Psaki at the White House Friday. Oh, yeah, you got to wear a mask. Matt, we know. What's the narrative out of the White House now? Out of the CDC? You hear it all the time. We know masks work. See, this is 
an effective tool. Repeat a lie with conviction and act as if there is no uncertainty about the assertion you are making. Thus, no one will dare to examine it. We know masks work. Oh, wait, how do you know that? Nobody stops them in the middle of that sentence, do they? No, they don't. Nobody stops them. I scream it every time I hear it. We know masks work. No, you don't. You don't know that. You might think it. You're entitled to think it. But you don't know it. Rochelle Walensky doesn't know it. Anthony Fauci doesn't know it. Joe Biden doesn't know it. Nancy Pelosi doesn't know it. There's a lot of things they don't know. But that is specifically one they don't know. That they know masks work. No. They think you should wear a mask. That is the accurate statement. I think you should wear a mask. Not me. Not when I get my hair done, if I'm Nancy Pelosi or Lori Lightfoot. Not if I'm Gavin Newsom and I want to eat at a fancy restaurant or take a grip and grin photo with Magic Johnson. So hopefully this ridiculous bending to authority ends with the Super Bowl. Because it's very clear. This is theater. This is virtue signaling. This is a power test. This is a way to identify who will do what they are told to do and who will not. There is nothing zero zip nada scientific about it, unless you're talking about political science. That certainly applies. So we have talked a lot about, and we will talk a lot more about, the Ohio Senate race. Our conversations so far have primarily focused on the Republican side because the primary is highly contested. Bernie Moreno just dropped out. I hated to see that. Mike Gibbons, Josh Mandel, Jane Timken, J.D. Vance, Matt Dolan, all still in. In Missouri... There is a Senate candidate by the name of Vicki Hartzler. And Vicki Hartzler is making headlines and is uh, going to be in the crosshairs of uh, cancel culture because she has released an ad targeting the inequity of allowing transgender swimmer Leah Thomas, a biological male, to compete as a woman. Uh, Here is what the ad says. Meet William Thomas, ranked number 462 in men's swimming. Now meet Leah Thomas, ranked number one in women's swimming. Only one problem, it's the same person. Now this issue, transgenderism, the uh, inclusion of biological males who claim they are women in women's sports, Having, they contend, privileges to use women's private facilities, restrooms, locker rooms, uh, be considered a female, a woman, when it comes to hiring, uh, seeking in the state of Ohio and federally status as a protected class, like race. This is an issue that I've said is the place where conservatives, and specifically conservative Christians, must stand and not allow 
inroads to be made. This cannot be allowed to stand. The safety of our daughters, their psychological well-being, their physical well-being, their emotional well-being depends upon this. And I don't want to be somebody who highlights the um, the most egregious situation as indicative of all situations, because I don't believe the most egregious situations are indicative of all the situations. But one of the things that a girl or a woman should never have to fear in a restroom, in a locker room, in a private space is being raped by a male, is being assaulted by a male. And when you allow biological men who identify as women into those spaces, you are introducing a risk that should never be present. If you want to have separate facilities for transgender people, okay. But you should not allow someone who claims to be a different sex than they are. And yes, I'm using sex instead of gender because gender is a made-up category. It is a made-up category. I was talking to a very learned friend of mine yesterday about this. He is, um, I want to protect him at all costs. He is in the um, academic arena, okay? He's a professor. And he said that he noticed at one of the schools that he uh, taught on the faculty that along about 1980, they started replacing sex, male or female, with gender. Gender is a made-up construct. It is made to blur the lines between men and women. For centuries, when a child was born, we said it is a boy or it is a girl. There is no need for further clarification unless there is an agenda. And the agenda is to install a human in the position of authority, sovereignty over things that only God has sovereignty and authority over. So do I approve of this ad by this Missouri Senate candidate? Uh, I really do not. Not because I don't agree with the cause, and and not because I want her to ignore transgenderism. But this is the... This is the challenge, because this intersects, we had this conversation yesterday um, among uh, some people at my church in my Sunday school class. This issue intersects, it's not just a sports issue. If you think it's a sports issue, you are missing the point. This is in every, virtually every corporate world now. This is in academia, this is in the medical profession, this is in the... uh, it's in every profession. I talked to you last week about the developmental seminar of Hilliard-Davidson High School teachers, where Hilliard schools paid to have Kaleidoscope Youth Group come in and give a pro-transgender seminar. By the way, <clears throat> let's note that we are now in day five, I believe, day six, business day five, of Hilliard schools blatantly ignoring my uh, requests for information on how much they paid for that seminar, how they selected that seminar, whether there will be a dissenting view presented at future developmental seminars, and whether teachers have an opt-out. Stacy Ratterman, the head of communications at Hilliard Schools, has steadfastly ignored my messages, has not responded at all. So I guess what I'm left to believe from that is that Stacy Ratterman and Hilliard Schools do not think they are responsive to the taxpayers of the Hilliard School District the superintendent of Hilliard Schools, the Board of Education of Hilliard Schools. They do not believe they are responsible 
to give you an answer as a citizen of Hilliard. I'll keep trying. I'm not optimistic they'll respond. But in the case of this ad in Missouri, and in the case of your conversations and my conversations with people around this issue, we must find a way to stand for the truth that if you were born a man, you are a man and you cannot be a woman. You're born a woman, you cannot be a man, and you saying you are one does not make you one, nor should you have the privileges that are set aside. It was ludicrous, ludicrous yesterday for the National Football League to use Billie Jean King as indicative of how progressive and how wonderful Title IX is. And isn't it awesome that Title IX, 50 years ago, when Billie Jean King was a champion of Title IX, established opportunities for girls in sports, and then to act as if the transgender issue, which is a blatant contradiction of the opportunities provided by Title IX, to act as if the transgender issue is not looming and intruding upon Title IX this very day. That's a hypocritical, that's, a, that's, a, that's an untruthful stance by the NFL. But we have to find a way to have this conversation and make it about the evils of transgenderism without making it about the evils of the transgender person. Will Thomas is somebody who is a convenient target of our ire toward the evil that grips him, toward the grooming he has fallen victim to. But he is not the evil. We must be the side that has the compassion for someone who is trapped in that evil. But we have to find a way to speak against the practice without speaking against the person. So that is my objection to the way that this campaign is crafted. She's right, this candidate is, to talk about it. But she has to talk about it more intelligently. 